Hi, love. I'm Nicole Weston, and you are listening to Redefining Motherhood More Than Moms. In this community, we focus on creating a safe and sacred space for us to cultivate loving, gentle, and compassionate relationships with ourselves first so that we can be present in our relationships with our partner and children and be the best mom we can be. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I am so excited. I have a very close friend of mine, Laura Slynn, joining us today to share her journey of what it means to redefine motherhood on her terms. Let me tell you a little bit about Laura. After experiencing some major health and fertility challenges, she became pregnant after doing her own inner work, and that has led her to the path of working with others and eventually training other coaches to work with others to create exponential change. Laura is really passionate about this work because she knows she's done it for herself and has helped, wants to help many moms at every stage of their motherhood journey. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you, Laura, for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Nicole. So excited. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and just expand on that incredible bio? Mm-hmm. Um, so I have, um, I have two kids, two boys. Yes. They are. Um, Brady is going to be nine in May. And no way. <laughs> I know. I know. So like, and that's the whole story, right? Like that's without that fertility journey um, to having Brady, like I wouldn't be doing this, the work that I do. I wouldn't know you. I wouldn't like life would be an entirely different, um, mm. an entirely different ball game. So, Absolutely. um, I guess I'll just go back to that. Like I was in my, um, from the time I was a teenager, like right up to my late twenties, I had the worst periods ever. Like mm. every other month was landing in hospital, um, landing in emerge for, um, for like help with pain and fainting and stuff. And so I was diagnosed with um, a terrible case of stage four endometriosis, um, multiple cysts on both ovaries. They said there was no healthy ovarian tissue. No, um, my tubes were blocked, like th- multiple surgeries needed, including a hysterectomy and both ovaries removed. So, um, sorry, so remo- like a hysterectomy? A full hysterectomy and removal of both my ovaries. And what and were you? bowel refectioning surgery. Really? Mm-hmm. And what age? At what age was all of this happening for you? That was all. Um, I think I started sort of like the medical journey when I was maybe twenty nine, thirty, and yeah, like just before thirty. Mm. Uh, and I, but I knew something was severely wrong. Like you don't have that much pain every month, and assume when you go to the doctor, like it'll be okay. I had just had lots of, um, it's funny, I just saw my family doctor this morning and was sharing the story with her. Wow. Um, but I'd had lots of like MRIs and CT scans and ultrasounds. And then finally I met a surgeon who was like, why are we doing those scans? Like you just need to have investigative surgery so that we can find out what's going on. Like, what you experience is not even in the spectrum of normal. Right. And he was a doctor who sat on the board of like pain and treatment recommendations for endometriosis in Canada. Okay. He was, um, a senior gentleman. So he had, I guess, seen like lots and lots of cases and like, this is his specialty. And he said it was the worst case he'd ever seen. And that like a hundred percent, um, I, I, that's what he said to me. He's like, like, you will never be able to get pregnant. And I remember looking at him that day saying, can you say with absolute medical certainty that like, it is 100% impossible? Like, can you actually say that? Or is that just an opinion? Right. Like, or is that 
based in something. And he said, well, I can say 98%, mm. but I'll leave you 2% room for miracles. Ooh. And this was like way before I did any sort of mindset work, like mm-hmm. mindset and empowerment was like not part of my vocabulary. I was just living life. And I remember going like, well, I guess I'm going to take the 2% then because this isn't, this isn't going to be my story. Right. And um, yeah, and that sort of set me off on like getting other medical opinions, but they were saying the same thing, doing everything complimentary, holistic, like all the diets, all the, all the things. Like I was like bloodletting at one point to really? like yep. um, any kind of crazy voodoo. Like it was, <laughs> it was sort of something that launched me into the, world of complementary and holistic treatments. Mm. I had never been somebody who sort of ventured there before. So that was interesting, but not, none of that really worked. And the only thing that helped was when I was referred to Ernie Pavan, who we mm. both know Yes, yes. Um, from a girlfriend of mine at work. I was working in advertising at the time and she had seen him and I went to see Ernie and when he did some like muscle testing with me, and explained to me how cellular memory works and how repressed trauma can create dis-ease in our body. Um, And he said, you know, your body's saying that something happened at age 16. And what came up that day for me, and this would have been, I would have been 31, I guess. Yeah, one. Right. And um, so what I talked about that day, I hadn't talked about since I was like 16 years old. Because my story of losing my virginity, I lost my virginity to rape when I was 16. Um, And I was a super naive teenager, Nicole. Like I was not like anywhere capable of even contemplating, um, contemplating being a mother at that time in my life. So I chose to terminate the pregnancy. But I did it with very little support and help. Like my parents, I, I wound up telling them the day of out of just desperation Um, so it was very panicked and stuff. And when it was all said and done, my family, um, my mom and dad begged me to get some help and wanted me to press charges and wanted me to Mm. speak up about it. And I begged them to like, just leave me alone, told them they were ruining my life if they made me do those things and chose to um, shut it all down. And so they did. And I think that's what needed to happen for me at the time. But what happened in my body was this like slow progression of um, of manifestation of all of that old stuff. So I meet Ernie and I did, I did my work with him. It was only a couple of sessions, but it was forgiveness work, um, Mm -hmm. uh, letting go of old emotions from the past, um, Mm -hmm. all the stuff that you and I know very well now, but I did it for the first time there and my body went into spontaneous healing and I conceived Brady naturally, like within two months of doing that work, um, which is pretty amazing. And then amazing Slow down. <laughs> Let's just go right back to that. You can mm-hmm. see Brady mm-hmm. naturally two months after that. Mm-hmm. Right. And so and I had been on at that time I had been on um these hormone injections that were like putting me into a false menopause. Okay. Well, like it putting me into menopause, but medically right. induced menopause. So yeah. when I finished that six months of injections was when I went to the weekend program with Ernie and set my goal for becoming pregnant and was like, I'm going back to my doctor and telling him like, we're not having the surgery I need until October. And that was at the end of June. Um, And so I was coming, I was finishing off that six months of injections and the doctors had said to me, it'll be a few months before you'll get a period back. 
Mm -hmm. Like you, we've put you in this menopause for a while, so it'll be a few months before you get your period back. So when I didn't get my period, (laughs) right. in like July or August, I wasn't questioning it because they told me not to question it. So anyway, as it turns out, I found out I was pregnant, like right before going to Ireland for a family wedding, which was probably a good thing given how much (laughs) alcohol was consumed at that wedding. But, um, and I found out I was like seven weeks pregnant when I found out. So it had happened very, very quickly after doing that work. So, um, on top of that, I had Brady by C-section and at the time of the C-section, I said to the doctors, because it wasn't planned. It was one of those like nine and a half centimeters dilated and now we're going to freak out. Right there with you, love. (laughs) (laughs) It was one of those situations. So I was like, fine, but at least if we have to do this, can you like, please just check around in there because this was a very diseased uterus and abdomen before. And so the doctor kind of looked around and came back out and she was like, I have no idea what you're talking about because there's no scar tissue, no adhesions, no cysts. Your body from the waist down is like healthy, normal anatomy of any other woman your age. Congratulations. Oh my God. So that's that know. story. I don't know about you, but like, I am like full body goosebumps, tears of joy in my eyes. And I just, this is the, this is uh, just so inspiring. And it's just, there's so many goodness. There's so much goodness in this. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing mm-hmm. that story and why we're even here on this podcast today about redefining mm-hmm. motherhood. And there's a few really beautiful things that came up in that for me. And one thing I want to touch on, because this is a conversation I have with a lot of women who are in that space of conceiving or, um, you know, looking to conceive and on any spectrum, right? Whatever the challenges may be or, or not, whether they're at the beginning of their um, fertility um, experience or, or not. But I think it's so cool because when the doctor said, don't plan on getting a, a period for six months, wouldn't you say that at that point you totally released all attachment to anything happening? Oh, a hundred percent. Right. And the 100%. power so, of um, even before that, right? Like when they tell you, um, I, I, ta- I used to, when I started my coaching business, cause that's obviously um, mm-hmm. what I do now is I, I coach and train coaches. But when I started, I started working in fertility clinics. And one of the things that I said was I was really lucky that IVF wasn't even an option for me. Mm. Like I was registered at fertility clinics waiting for a potential surgeon to show up and say they could do surgery so that I could make IVF an option. But I was like, I had like my eggs were like, there was no eggs. So the fictional eggs were in the miracle basket. Like I didn't have anything Mm. that I created an attachment to. So, um, you know, you hear these stories all the time of women who try and try and try. And then the moment they stop trying, they get pregnant. That's right. And I'm like, quantum physics totally explains that because in quantum physics, when we attach to the outcome or where we put all of our eggs, pardon the pun, (laughs) in that one basket, um, um, then we rule out the universe's possibility to come in with infinite other possibilities that are so far outside of our spectrum. Like it was not on my radar to find a man named Ernie Pavan and see if there was emotional trauma because it was so far repressed that I thought I was over it. Right. I was like, no, that can't possibly be affecting me. I'm over that now. Right. Um, And so many of us. I wasn't right. (laughs) And just so interesting how the body can store those, those memories and that trauma um, those experiences. And I know for my belief on all of this is, is really like 
our body's keeping us safe until it says, okay, like we're no longer ready to do it this way anymore. And we are ready for more. And you know, it's time to let this go. And the, the, the phrase that's coming up for me a lot these days has been, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that metaphor can just go across on so many areas, right. When, when I just, I just, I just really, really love it. Um, and you talked about spontaneous healing as well. And I think for a lot of moms, if I, if I do, if I, if I can share, I think for a lot of moms we're it's kind of confusing because I think we do, we put all of our eggs in one basket and we, we hold on and we're trying to control all of these things and we want things to happen in a certain way. And there's so much emotion wrapped up in that. So it's, it's interesting. Like, have you done some reflection on spontaneous healing and, you know, the how, or like, can you remember what that was like for you? Like, how, like what were those days like for you? Um, yes. And I think, you know, like, I think it was almost easier then. Like my level of ignorance then made it just easy, you know, yeah. <laughs> it was like, well, I don't really have any options and I'm not willing to um, my child's toy is talking in the background. So appropriate <laughs> for <How> <laughs> I no idea. Spontaneous healing. Let that be a sign. Um, <laughs> let that be a sign. And um, I would probably be super embarrassed, except that we're on um, a redefining motherhood. Yeah, podcast. like this is like so this is our normal. Maybe it's kind of perfect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, back to like releasing the how. So. Mm. I sometimes do, like, I sometimes have to remind myself when I'm setting goals and taking action and trying to figure things out now, um, like, look at where this started, right? Mm -hmm. One of the things when the doctor said to me, you'll need a miracle, I found or came across a Wayne Dyer quote right after that. Okay. that said, miracles come in moments, be ready and willing. And I had no idea who Wayne Dyer was, <sighs> but I looked at that quote and went, well, what does that mean, be ready and willing? Miracles are just lucky things that happen randomly to people. Right. And that quote really caused me to get curious about like, well, what does this mean? Like this sort of suggests that there's something that people can do to, to welcome miracles in their mm. life. Um, and so much of that is along releasing the how, right? So, um, and I think so what you, sometimes I need to use my own story to remind myself like, no, wait, like we've done this before. Right. Like you we've done impossible before. Yeah. You know this. Yeah. And that's really interesting, right? Cause I think you have shared before, um, before us kind of getting online and chatting about how, you know, you've tried everything and there, you were starting to lose hope. And I think when I hear that quote for myself, it's that, that willingness that there, like hope is there, like that 1%, that 0.5% that there has to be another way. Mm -hmm. I think that that's the kind of stuff that we, that's like an internal flame with inside of ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. And so with that being said, you and I jumped on because we have something really, um, we are connected on this. Our, our intentions are the same around this, around um, our children calling us forward to rise and mm -hmm. to uh, do our own work because we are here to raise really empowered and whole conscious children. And so you had shared with me a little bit about why that work is so important for you and I've been having conversations with moms on this podcast about really breaking that generational code, being mindful that we must take what is the greatness from our generations of the, of the women who came before us, but also recognizing that there are ways, old ways that are no longer working. 
And so I would love to just like dive into that with you and just hear where you're at in that process of, of your journey specifically and how you are operating in, in that, in that mindset. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And there's so much there and it's why I'm so excited that you're doing this podcast and that you are working with mothers and, and doing this work because I think that it's some of the most important work on the planet um, mm -hmm. right now. So here's what I know for sure that who I was before I got pregnant with Brady was a really good person. Mm -hmm. um, I was a good person. There was like, I, I was leading my life in integrity. I had a good job. My husband and I got along well. Um, I would have been a great mom. I was like the best auntie ever to <laughs> all of my friends' kids. So, um, so it's not about like, I want to avoid making it sound like it's about being a good person or a bad person or carrying forth good or bad stuff. Mm. But I know that because of what I went through, the person, the mother I became before I even had him and the tra trajectory that that set me on in terms of how I would live my life. Mm -hmm. are two completely different things. Mm -hmm. And I have Brady who's nine or almost nine and Drew that's three. And it's, I can start to really see it with Drew, but especially with Brady being this, like, I mean, he is a highly sensitive mm -hmm. in the very best way. Mm -hmm. um, super empathic, super gifted little boy, but he's very different from a lot of the other little boys he knows. Right. And how I'm able to parent him now, because I can see all of those Things through this lens of somebody who understands um, neurolinguistic programming, who understands uh, all of the other like woo-woo stuff that I didn't get before, right? Like if you mm -hmm. talk to me about being an empath, I'd be like, oh, that sounds a little weird <laughs> to me. <laughs> what that word like, mean? Spirituality yeah. wasn't a part of my life. And this is a kid that, um, that is super connected and has been since the day that he was born. Cool. So I couldn't have parented the same way. So um, so how does that show up for me now? Like it's, I can't even pinpoint anything cause it's every single moment of every single day. Right. And some of them are very unconscious when I lose my temper and don't want to, but in other ways I'm like, um, said this to someone recently, you know, those days where you feel like an amazing mom and a terrible mom all at the same moment. Same time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like. Uh, wow, like my kid just called me out on something that was probably like a mistake <laughs> on my part or definitely probably a mistake on my part. But at the same time, his level of emotional awareness. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, that, that was worth calling out. Um, he did it to me last night. You know, we were in the car and we were driving, we were going to the pool and I can't remember what happened, but I got stressed out and I sort of snapped at them. And then I took a deep breath and I looked back and I was like, I'm sorry, you guys, mommy's just stressed out just let me get to where we're going and then we get out of the car and he's like mommy this might sound kind of harsh and I want you to know that I love you but <laughs> you snap at us he's like I understand what stressed out means but Drew's only three he doesn't understand oh. what stressed out means. And he probably takes it personally I'm like stop right like I'm like yeah yeah um, thank Feedback, sweetheart. Yeah, like, that, I was just gonna say, what do you say to that? Thank you for. I your said thank you for feedback. Um, <laughs> I just like I shake my head, right? I'm like, it's there goes <laughs> there's the toy again. <laughs> wow, wow, in the background. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so that's what you say to that, right? Is thank you for the feedback. You're absolutely right because he is. Um, you know. Mm. But okay, so but so much of that for me is modeling. And I, and I think that, 
you know, I want to create spaces where we can really talk about unpacking. What, what does it mean to model? And I think, and I'll just speak for myself, you know, coming into this world, um, being conscious of my mind and my emotions and, you know, the stuff that I've been healing and becoming a mother kind of like played a lot of mind games on me. And, you know, and I know for a lot of moms, we have the best intentions, but like you, like you said, we feel like the best mom, but the worst mom at the same time. Right. And so how can we at any given time, um, give ourselves the same kind of love and compassion that we would give our children. And I think for me, that's the concept or the philosophy of conscious mothering. And it's not about mothering our children. It's truly about mothering ourselves. And so in those moments, you know, when you said like, thank you for your feedback, what, like, take us on a little bit of a, a journey as to how, you know, how did you treat yourself in those moments? What was going on inside your, inside your mind and how you treated yourself? Um, you know, in that one, I just, I sort of like, I laugh, right? Like for, yeah. for the most part, it's just gratitude that I have a kid who can even mm. make those distinctions. Okay. Um, but there's other times where for sure, and he's seen me do this cause I ask him to do it too. When he does something, um, Brady's really good at when he, he makes a bad choice or has a moment. Cause as a highly sensitive kid, he sometimes has a hard time regulating emotions with us. Mm-hmm. He's the kid that will go out all day long and be a good boy, like quote unquote, good boy, all day long at school, he'll hold it all in. But whatever he experiences, the second he comes home, it can be like, mm. um, just a total meltdown. It's, it's gotten a lot better in a lot of ways. But, um, but sometimes he will lash out. Mm-hmm. And then he'll apologize to us. And one of the things I started doing with him was saying, okay, like now can you like forgive yourself? Because there's yes. no need to feel guilty about this. We're human beings. Um, And recognizing I have to do that for myself if I want him to be able to do it. So, um, so he's seen me say like, you know what, you're absolutely right. And that was not cool what mommy did. Um, And I feel really bad about it. But um, I'm going to take a moment and forgive myself. Because we're all human beings. And we're all doing the best we can. And then, you know, it's all of the like positive statements afterwards, like, Mm -hmm. we love each other, like we can (laughs) learn from this. And all of that. So it's so modeling all it's of those modeling things. that. So you're saying that like you're choosing to verbally speak out how you're also consciously mothering yourself because I find like as moms we are trying to manage so many different hats and I think that in terms of redefining motherhood how do we actually focus on one thing? You know, what's the one thing that's going to have the most impact or the most ripple? And I believe for myself on my journey what has really shifted the game for me has been letting go of who I thought I was supposed to be and mm-hmm. who everyone expected me to be and just allow myself to become who I'm meant to be for my daughter. And the only person that can do that is, is her. And the only way that I can show up for her is by really, truly loving myself in the moments, you know, like the Wayne Dyer quote, how be willing and, and uh, open in the moment. Like it's the mm-hmm. moments at this point, right? <laughs> oh, totally. Totally. Um, And, you know, just like that whole piece around releasing the mother that I thought I was supposed to be or that other people expect me to be. Like, can we just talk for a second about how difficult that is? Yes. And it's especially difficult in the absence of community. Yes. Yes, Um, Yes. Which is why, like, I'm such a huge cheerleader for everything you're doing because there has got to be more spaces where people can 
um, can come and express what's really going on for them without fear of judgment. Like Mm -hmm. the the judgment that comes along with the choices that we make as a mom, um, it's extreme. Um, Mm -hmm. It's extreme. And I consider myself to be super empowered and, um, and really like high self-esteem and stuff. But I chose to pull my son, well, I chose to pull Brady out of school um, at the end of September. And the judgment I've gotten from friends and from people like that I thought I'd be able to brush off. Like I've had to do some work on that. Right. Um, I've had to do work on that. And I would have expected that I would have been fine with it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I find myself being really careful when I'm talking about, you know, if somebody doesn't know and then they ask about how he's doing in school and I'm like, Oh, like it's just some of the people who have had more extreme reactions have surprised me too. Um, and then, and then I find myself like the people really know I can talk to just, um, expressing what's going on to them and everybody else. It's these like very superficial Mm -hmm. connections because, Mm -hmm. um, because of that. So I think it's, it's so important to, to be able to say, yes, I'm releasing the expectations and I'm going to do my own thing. But recognizing what goes into that, like, I think self-esteem is huge, right? Like we have to self-esteem, um, self-esteem is huge. yeah, the and, willingness and- to make mistakes and the willingness to be wrong, right? Like, I don't know if I made the right decision yet, right? For several months in, it hasn't been easy. That's for sure. Right. Um, is it better than what we were, what was going on at school? I believe so. But, um, right. but you know, uh, trying to balance like homeschooling and having a toddler around and a really busy business and all the travel and like it's it it's been difficult so it's been a lot and i think what's important that i hear you say in terms of community is that when we surround ourselves with with women who are just there to really be in the space we're not there to pass judgment or to tell each other what to do we're more there just to hold space because i know for me how i figure out any solution to any problem is by talking and i know for the first few months of my postpartum, my daughter is 19 months old. I know for the first few months of my postpartum, I wasn't talking. I, you know, cause first of all, my baby, <laughs> she wasn't going to talk back. <laughs> um, and I was just trying to do all the things of like eat, sleep, poop, repeat, um, and maybe brush my teeth a, a few times. And, and then I, I just wasn't having conversations because the shame of what I thought I was supposed to be doing Um, was keeping me completely trapped. And so I wasn't speaking and I wasn't sharing and I wasn't connecting. And I'm not here to say that no one should ever have to go through that, but you shouldn't have to go through it alone, right? Because I was surrounded by many people who love me. And I remember getting on the phone, phone with Ernie and, uh, and him just saying like, Nicole, where are you? Like, where did you go? You know, it was the most incredible, most beautiful time of my life. And I just went in. And the shame really said, like, you can't tell anybody because everyone expects you to have this all figured out because you're the self-love mm-hmm. person and you're just going to mm-hmm. have an easy time and you're blah, blah. And, I, and it was like part of me was crushing it. And then the part of me was like afraid of doing it wrong and showing up. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing that really broke that was connection was when I started to have conversations and when someone would look back at me, the people that I love and trusted and just go, it sucked. Mm-hmm. because that's holding space. And that's, that allows us to, like you said, maybe it's the right, maybe it's wrong, but maybe it's just learning. And I don't think we have enough of that as moms. I don't think there's enough spaces that really allow that because 
Um, a lot of the spaces are here to say, okay, this is how you feed them and this is what they should be doing when they get this height. <laughs> it's like, oh. oh. You know, and Nicole, like we, you know, advertising has been challenged now because of the way that the media depicts beauty and stuff for young girls. But what about the way that media depicts motherhood? Mm-hmm. I used to work when I worked um, as a designer and creative director, I worked on some baby brands and the direction was always very clear in the creative brief, like find a mother and baby lovingly gazing at each other and they're into each other's eyes. Like loving gaze was always part of the creative brief. Interesting. Um, you know, those babies didn't have like baby acne. Like the mom looked like she, I don't know how she gave birth, but there was no, you know, postpartum belly, no bags under her eyes. Like it was just these like perfection images. And we've really been, I think, good and kind of woke as a society in challenging the images that we're putting in front of young girls when it comes to body image and perception of beauty. But we haven't done that with this perception of motherhood. So how the heck is anybody supposed to feel normal when we've never seen what normal looks like? For sure. Like no one shared in the group. Yeah. Sorry, love. Go ahead. Yeah, no, you shared in the group, um, in your group recently, the ad that was banned from the Oscars. Yeah. Um, and it's like, well, yeah, nobody wants to look at that, but that's real. And maybe it would sort of deter people from motherhood, but I don't think so. We all know what it takes to grow a baby and get it out of our bodies. And somehow we still show up and do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and we it do it a second nice. time, potentially, right? <laughs> so, but I think what's so interesting about that is that maybe, and I'll just speak for myself, uh, those first few months, <clears throat> you know, coming out of a C-section, I remember thinking, okay, so at the six week mark, I'm supposed to have it all figured out. I'm supposed to be able to walk and I'm supposed to be able to lift everything. And I'm just supposed to bounce back because that's what the doctor says. At six weeks, everything is fine. And I remember getting to that mark and being like, I'm not okay. And I, and I, and I struggled with being able to express that because people, what I thought people expected of me, but I didn't see it. And I was looking for women who had had C-sections to tell me that it's going to get better and that it, um, it might take longer than normal or you know what, that incision is actually going to be numb for a long time. Um, and there's a lot of fascial tissue that's involved in there and it really deserves time. And I remember going, okay, something's wrong with me because I haven't healed <laughs> in the six week mark. And then I think back to, well, how could you? Like no one tells you that you're getting up a million times a night, um, that you're going to sleep on the couch and that you probably went through three to four days or like a lot of hours before that baby came. Like, it was just really weird. And I remember thinking if I had only known, you know, why aren't we talking about this before? Not because of a scare tactic, but just as a say of normalizing that, like me too, mm-hmm. right? Like me too. It sucked. Yeah, and I, and I found a, a struggle with that. Like how can I share about my struggles when I should be super, right? Should be so grateful that this is my life. Yeah. I typically try not to share my labor and birth story with pretty too too many people or at least not with like just if you're pregnant you don't want to hear the story about the person who had four days of labor and (laughs) the skit like you don't need that story um but at the same time I totally agree with you like I my c-section with Brady my recovery was really difficult I was so exhausted by the time Mm -hmm. I had him Mm -hmm. and I think too like going through the labor first Mm, um, yes. like that like your body takes a beating it's like you do so much of the hard stuff and then <laughs> yeah like we got to 10 centimeters and then pushed for two hours and oh it was like no honey like mama I don't want to come out this way and so then they're like we got to make the decision and, and I remember the doctor saying 
So next time around, we're going to do it differently because we you basically birthed twice. We had to um, pull her out and then pull her out. And I was thinking, really? <laughs> like, wow, you know, and yeah. and unreal. And and I agree with you. I don't want to have these conversations with moms in the in the way of like, you don't, you just wait. I want to have these. Well, I just like, oh my god, mine was so bad. Like, you don't want to freak people out. No. But, but I want to be able to say, like, it may suck and it's okay. And exactly. exactly. And it's okay. It's just okay that it sucks. <laughs> yeah. Or like, you know, like focus on the best, like do the whole like hypno birthing, ecstatic birthing thing. Um, yeah. Like do your best. Like that is totally possible. That happens for people yeah. all the time. Absolutely. And then if like, you know, it goes sideways, I am absolutely here for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I get it. Right. I wound up leaving the hospital with bronchitis and the cough was so bad that oh like, well, you know what it's like, right? The incision is there with this like barking cough. So trying to get the cough under control because it was irritating my incision. It was terrible. Um, it was a really hard time recovering. And then with Drew, I really wanted a VBAC um, mm -hmm. like delivery. And from the very beginning with him though, I had complete placenta previous. So the placenta right. was completely covering my cervix. Right. It was with my midwives. I like, God bless the midwives. They were amazing my entire pregnancy. And when I had to transition to the OB at the very end, he was wonderful too. Mm. Um, so I knew like, by, I think by like 35 weeks, I had um, surrendered to, right. <laughs> to the, to the C-section because we had to do it at 36 and a half weeks. Right. And um and that time it was a totally different story. And I don't think it was so much that it was planned because I wasn't looking forward to uh, this. There's just, you know, I don't know if people look forward to that. I wasn't. <laughs> I started doing, I was like, well, since I'm not going to be doing the hypnobirthing thing anymore, I'm going to do some self-hypnosis around mm -hmm. um, healing my body. And just yes. the difference between my healing time on those two, and I'm not necessarily attributing it to hypnosis, but I think not having gone through the level of like birthing trauma Yes. beforehand yeah. and having a good night's sleep before yeah. Yeah. having no. the baby and all of that thing. Actually, it was planned for the Monday and I wound up having to have him on the Saturday anyway. Oh, so it was still unplanned, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but it was planned unplanned. Like I knew it was happening. And, um, and because it wasn't that like panic and it was still not a super easy birth. Like they still needed to use forceps even with the C-section because he was right. like, we were joking that he was like hiding, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the big hands are coming and <laughs> I'm afraid. But, um, but the recovery was so much easier that time. And having been through it before, I knew what I needed to ask for that I didn't ask for mm. the first time and, um, yeah. and how to be supported in ways that I just, I wasn't aware of the first time around. So. Right. And, anyway. and what I, what I find really interesting in this space right now and sharing this, connection of, of birth and is the, when, when my daughter was born, I feel like at that moment I was disconnected from my intuition and this sounds really weird, yeah. but it was like, I got in, no, I met her first and that was phenomenal. Like I can break into tears instantly thinking about that moment. It was when we transitioned into our new room and, and we were having some family come visit us. And I remember feeling my body feeling so painful. Um, and just, you know, it had been through a lot. We had been through a lot. And I remember thinking, um, okay, you got to shut that off because now you've got to look after a little human. Right. And, and nobody cares that you had a C-section. 
They just care that the baby is here. So you better not talk about how much pain you're in. And then the nurses are like, get up, get up, get up, right? Mm. And so I just remember at that point, I didn't know that then. Looking back, I go, that's probably where I shut that part out. And it took me a while to get back into that intuitive part of like trusting who I am and letting go of all of the other stuff that comes with that. And so with that, I want to ask you, after all of that you know, where you've been in the world of spontaneous healing and releasing attachment and surrendering, Mm -hmm. looking back now, what would you, what words of wisdom would you give to yourself at any point of your motherhood journey? Um, I think that probably the best words of wisdom that I have received from like these two children, actually I'm, it's a total Kelly Osmond mm-hmm. um, who is our, our mutual um, friend, but Brady. Okay. So Brady was an easy baby. Nicole. Okay. Like he was a pretty healthy baby. He was really easy. Like he, he latched easily for breastfeeding. Um, and then as a toddler, like he was just, I could take him anywhere. Like he, mm-hmm. we didn't, I didn't understand my friends who had these regimented nap times. Cause I'm like, put the baby in the car to fall asleep. <laughs> no, <it didn't. laughs> not in my world. <laughs> like I sat up uh, like his like first two weeks of life. I would sit up through the night staring at him sleeping going, should I wake oh him up? Goodness. Like it's been more than three hours. My mm-hmm. boobs are full. Um, <laughs> anyway, so like it's so pretty, um, I was really like blessed with an easy, like it was just effortless. And when he started school, um, and so it wasn't until he was like four years old when he started school, he started having these meltdowns. And then I started having these meltdowns. And I called Kelly one day because I was like, I'm the worst mother in the world. I just oh. lost my mind over him wanting to wear a yellow shirt, but it's Remembrance Day. And it, like, he can't wear neon yellow. He has to wear <laughs> red or black. There's an assembly. Mm. And I yelled at him and he cried. And she was like, oh my God, thank God. I'm like, what? Like I was just beginning to wonder if this was like real, like this like Mm. perfect journey (laughs) that you had so far. I was like, what do you mean? And this is okay. So this is it. This is the best advice. I would give it to myself a hundred times over. She said, you need to understand that your child will struggle. Your child will mess up. They will have issues and very likely those issues will be your fault. It will be because of something that you did. I was like, what? <laughs> and she's yeah. Like, yeah, like the sooner you can get over this like perfect mom thing, the better, because it is so fictional. I was like, okay, thank you. And I've reminded myself of that probably 27 times a week for the past <laughs> almost nine years. Right. Or no, not five years because it started when he, he was four. four. <laughs> um, and then of course, Drew is such a different child. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, we'd call him spirited, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, but he challenges, like he's the kid that shows up and pushes all of li- the limits just for the sake of pushing limits. Interesting. And I'm like busy and tired and, you know, so I think one of the things that I've really um, had to do, and maybe this is the other piece too, right? Is, um, is just presence. presence. Like just allow yourself to be present with them. And it, being present solves probably 90% of our issues at home. I would agree. I would agree. Like drop what I'm doing, put my phone away, mm-hmm. not try to be doing work. Like my computer comes down with me at five o'clock every day and I'm still trying to continue to do emails. So it's taking that time and just having like very, a hard boundary. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause whenever I do it, everything's better. So, right. 
And so um, the so last question. Screw them up. That's okay. <laughs> and be present. <laughs> and so with that, the one thing I will ask then is that the same thing you will tell your future self as a mom. What would I tell my future self as a mom? Mm-hmm. Um, wow, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. I never thought of that. Um, just to like keep doing what we're doing. Yeah. That's it. Just keep doing what we're doing. Like yeah. I would, I don't want to change anything about what yeah. we're doing. Yeah. And what I'm doing now is allowing room for growth and mm. is when I like connect to somebody who's speaking about parenting in this amazing new way, I'm like, I'm all over it. And, um, and so I think that level of just staying open, right? Like what's yeah. working now works now, right? It's going to work next year could be different. And, right. and then I could learn a new way of doing things in two years from now. So I guess just stay open and, mm. um, and keep learning. Like this is, this is a process that's going to be a process forever. Brady told me yesterday that he thought I should try to live to 111. Oh. I was like, that's a good number. (laughs) Um, Why? And he's like, because apparently you decided to have children late and I want to make sure we have as much time with you as big friends. I was like, okay. I'm like, you know, I was 33 when you were born. (laughs) Yeah. No, I was actually quite that late. I love how the little brain, like how that brain. He's like, like doing math in his head and he's like, well, my friend's mom and dad are only 35 right now. And mm-hmm. that means that they would have had to have kids when they were like 26, 27. <laughs> they're right. going to have a longer time with their parents. So. Interesting. Anyway. But, but I would say to compliment your presence is that absolutely. I think that is the, the practice of presence. And so, yeah, I heard the physical actions of like closing the laptop, closing the phone and being present. But how do you, this is my last question for you. Uh, how, what is the one way that you shut your mind off to be present with your children? Um, I, what is the one way to shut your mind off to be present with your children? And I mean, I don't think it's even shutting mind off, but I, it is hard boundaries, right? So how do we say, okay, like, because we can do all those physical things but we could still be thinking about all the things we should be doing and need to do. Well, and sometimes I find just like asking them for the time. So like yesterday, um, somewhere before or after I was, I was corrected for (laughs) reacting and stress. Um, it must've been after because we got to where we were going and I had to send a message for something business related. And so I said to them, I was like, okay, before we go in, mommy just needs to do this one thing. Mm. and then a couple of minutes into it it was like why is it so long and instead I just was like okay so I'm gonna tell you what I need right now Mm. right so sometimes it is just being okay also with saying I need four minutes tops to focus on sending this one thing and as soon as this is done I can clear my mind and be with you because I was taking them to the pool for a swim right right um sometimes there's things that we actually do need to stop and manage Yes. Uh, so it, rather than trying to do those two things simultaneously, mm-hmm. I'm okay with saying like, no, it is our time together. And right now I do need this. Um, and then, you know, when I'm in the pool, how do I do it? Well, like I can't do anything about the other stuff swirling in my head. Like there's literally nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, if literally in a pool of water. It's not with you. Like it's just. <laughs> yeah. Um, so having just fun. Surrender, I guess. Right. Yes. Like, it's just, and- like just surrender to it. 
Yeah. Surrender is the absolute practice. And so I love all of that. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I know that we could talk for a long time, so we'll just have you back again. Um, so um, if our readers, sorry, not our readers, if our listeners want to connect with you or follow, um, you know, your journey as well, um, I know you've got a really special offer for our listeners. And so can you tell us a little bit about that? Mm-hmm. So uh, right now, the majority of the focus of the work that I'm doing is, um, is in empowerment and leadership development trainings and certifying people who want to be coaches and do the kind of work that you and I do. So I just co-authored a book with Ernie Havan and Kelly Oswin called Evolved NLP. Um, And all of our stories are in there and some like awesome stuff about how we believe that these kinds of journeys that we all have changed the world. So if anybody wants to get a free copy of that book, they can go to Evolved Mm -hmm. nlpbook.com and sign up for a free copy of the book there. Amazing. And I'll put all the, the, the links in the show notes below so everyone can have that. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, um, that is like, I just feel like we could just go forever. So thank you so much for sharing our journey, um, in, in this conversation. And, you know, my intention always with these conversations is to just inspire one mom that she's not alone and that she is in a community of like-minded moms and on the darkest days and on the lightest of days that she is in a community of moms who just get it. Right. And so I just want to thank you for creating that space and for jumping into this with me. And we're just really, really grateful for you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I am so grateful. I want to invite you to join our Facebook group, Redefining Motherhood More Than Moms. You can find the link in the show notes below. And if you want to find more information, more resources, and stories, you can subscribe to our weekly More Than Moms journal. I want you to remember that you are doing the best you can with the resources that you have. You are loved, you are worthy, and you are enough. You got this, Mama.